Well, good morning and welcome to Journey. Uh, my name is Randy. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, no matter where you're from, or first time here or uh, regular, it's great to have everybody with us. And we want to thank Joe. Uh, that is awesome. I'm excited about being able to partner with them. Uh, this is kind of a new beginning for us, kind of a, uh, just started partnering just in the last few months with them and, and looking forward to what God's going to do uh, because when we give, uh, it doesn't just um, impact here, and it can impact all over the world. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Please stop back and get, get some information. Well, guys, um, you know, uh, this is a busy month, right? Somebody said that May is like a sneaky month. You don't realize how busy it's going to get, and then suddenly you're in the middle of it, and everything is happening. It's busy for us. Uh, some of you know we have, um, we have two, two daughters getting married this year, uh, one in like a, less than two weeks. Uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, some of you know that uh, later this year, I'm going to be a grandpa. Man. You know, I was, um, I was trying to figure out, I was, you know, this grandpa thing, I'm excited about jumping into this thing. And I'm, how do parents, how do grandparents brag on their grandkids? We don't brag on our kids like that. You ever notice that? Nobody gets up and says, I got the smartest kids in the world, or most of us don't. But it's like, because we've got another part, you know, because it's just half hours, you know, uh, we feel like we can brag on them. So I'm going to brag on my brand, grand, uh, son, daughter, whatever it turns out to be. And uh, I don't care. Uh, I'll, I'll try to balance it so I don't bore you. But I'm sure it'll be like the smartest kid ever or some. <laughs> You'll hear. You'll hear about it. All right. Well, you know, Lori and I have been blessed with four great kids. Like somebody said, no better than anybody else's. But they're, they're pretty good kids. And uh, when they were small, we felt this burden. You know, they hand you this kid and you don't know how to carry it. You don't know what to do with it. Uh, you know, they're hauling around like this, and nurses are. We're like, we're afraid we're going to drop it or something. And, uh, but, but I was thinking about how we want to protect that child. You know the drill? You put latches on every cabinet door you can find. You put, you know, child-proof door handle, those little things that turn. You put the medicines up high. You put all the, the chemicals uh, locked away. You put, cut all the cover, all the corners, and sharp edges, and scissors, and knives, and everything. And then later on, you had those conversations uh, all about, uh, you know, traffic, don't walk behind a car, you know, uh, hot irons, don't touch that, inappropriate touches, animals, hey, don't stick that in your mouth, you know, watch out for bad friends and germs and wear a helmet and shin guards and gloves. Have you ever thought about how much stuff we get to protect our kids, how many dangers there really are out there for our children? You know, we try to protect our kids from anything and everything. We kind of want to put them in a bubble. You ever feel like that, those big bubbles? Just stick your kid in there. They don't have any germs, you know, around them, and they won't bounce, you know, hurt themselves. You know, you can't do that. No matter how hard we try, our kids still got hurt. They still got hurt. They still had falls and scrapes and cuts and bruises and bumps and painful experiences and hurt feelings and broken relationships. All those things happen regardless of how hard we tie. And I guess those things are just basically a part of life and growing up. But you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was sick. I'm still carrying some of that around. I was sick uh, one night and I was uh, banished to the basement and it was there and I'd slept most of the day. I couldn't sleep at night. And so I was praying. I figure if I can't sleep, it's a great time to pray. I should be doing something profitable with it. So I was praying and I was thanking God for my kids because they're always a part of my prayers. We talked two weeks ago about praying for the people in our lives and, and lifting them up uh, and praying for their future and their mates and everything. 
And it occurred to me as I was praying for my kids that although we were less than perfect parents, that our kids were protected in a lot of ways, and that God had been the one to protect them and help them become successful adults. And there really was always our prayers that God would make them the person that he wanted them to be. And I began to reflect back on how God had uniquely been with and protected each of our children. I was awake quite a while. So, I mean, I, I mentally went back and I thought about each of our four kids and, and the experiences that they'd had and how God had protected them to bring them to the place in their life where they are right now. That not only do they love the Lord, but they also have jobs and careers that invest in other people as well. One's a teacher, and we had three social workers uh, in our daughters. And I got to be honest, as I laid there, I don't know if it was the, what it was, maybe it was a medicine exhaustion, I began to cry. I mean, <laughs> tears flowed as I thought about how God had been with them, had been their protector, and the small part that we had played. Well, in the series that we're in, and it's turned out to be a little bit like a parenting series, to be honest with you. I didn't, didn't intend that. But we've been talking about how Jesus specifically made disciples and how God has called us to make disciples as well and how that really impacts with our children and grandchildren, whoever we might have influence over in our life, but also investing in the lives of other people, uh, inviting people to church, taking the step, the initiative to, to invest in them, have a spiritual conversation that hopefully might lead at some point to them coming to know Jesus or asking some questions, and, and then investing in the lives of younger Christians to say, hey, what do you think? Let's get together and talk a little bit. I, I'd like to spend some time, maybe encourage you in your walk with Christ, who in turn will understand from our investing that they are to go and make more disciples as well. And so that's kind of what our series has been like, uh, this series, Like Jesus, is kind of focusing on how did Jesus do that? And we looked at several ways he's done it so far, kind of in this seven habits of a disciple maker. And we said that the first thing a few weeks ago was revealing God. Jesus said, I revealed you, Father, to them. And then we said the second thing that he did is he spoke truth. He, he discovered truth, and then he just shared that with others. And then thirdly, he prayed for them two weeks ago. And today we're going to talk about Jesus protecting the ones he was discipling. And in your mind, I want you to think about this, your children or the people that you're investing in. How do you protect them? How do you nurture them, if you will, as they kind of grow up in their faith? Now to catch us up, because last week we took a break for Mother's Day, I'm going to read a long scripture, a passage of scripture from John 17, just to, and I want you to see each of these things, these points we've been talking about through this scripture until we come to the, the level of protecting. Jesus said, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave them, gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you've given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that Scripture would be fulfilled. So in this study, we've been talking about the fact that while Jesus ministered to and healed and fed 
and did things to thousands of people at a time that most of his energy and his effort was divested in, in, in 12 men, 12 men that he called disciples. He called them to come and follow him on different levels, and then he spent time with them. They were his family. They were his world. He was theirs. And we talked about the fact that they were just ordinary people. They weren't educated. They weren't the cream of the crop. They weren't religious people necessarily. Jesus just called them, and he transformed them into bold witnesses for him. And as we read through the scripture, the, the gospels, you'll see the teachings he gave them. And we, we benefit by, by reading, but, but much of that is spoken to them. He was building into them. He was teaching them, investing them, but he also had to protect them along the way. He had to protect them because they were like children. They were gullible and frail and weak and selfish and immature and frustrating. They were slow to learn like most of our kids are, most, like most of the adults sometimes that we try to work with. We, we just don't know if they're interested, and we'd love for them to come along a little quicker there. But unlike us, he was perfect. He was perfect in them. That's why it's beneficial for us to study the way Jesus did things and learn to uh, imitate those things ourselves. It was by his actions, his prayers, his words, his teachings, his guidance, and also his, his encouragement and protection Jesus was able to bring them to the place he wanted them to be, to the point he could say this, while I was with them, I protected them, and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. Now, also keep in mind in John 17 that this is near the end of Jesus' life. He is about to leave them. He's going to be, even that evening, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be tried, he's going to be condemned, he's going to be crucified, he's going to be around and appear to them for a while, but then he's going back into heaven, the ascension. So all this is going to change. Their lives are going to change, and they're going to need more protection. And so Jesus is saying, I, uh, I, will, I will remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. Here's what I've discovered. We can do our very best to protect the people in our lives, our children and the folks that we care about, Spiritually, the people we're investing in and discipling, but only God can really truly protect them. Only God can really do that. And that's why we have to give them to God on a regular basis. We have to present them to God. Later on in verse 15, uh, here's what Jesus said. This is I want you, who I want you to protect them from. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I've always thought how much easier it would be for us as Christians is once we gave our life to Christ, if we were just beamed out of here, you know, and we, we, we didn't have to deal with anything. But Jesus said, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just saying they're going to be here in the world, but protect them from the evil one. And the word protect and keep here has the idea of, uh, of, of, of caring for and watching over, observing, keeping a close eye on them. It, it has kind of a double focus. One of them is like a fortress, like a fort, build this fortress around them, God, and protect them. Sometimes we pray today, God, would you put a hedge of protection around my children or around my family or around me, whatever it may be. God, build this fortress so that I can't be hurt or, or injured in some way. And then it also has the idea of a shepherd, which is an analogy that Jesus used a whole lot. In John chapter 10, he developed this, but he talked about the fact that a shepherd in that day uh, was a lot more common than ours. A shepherd would stay with the sheep all day, and he would just sit out there and watch. It sounds amazingly boring for most of us to spend your day sitting, I mean, relaxing, but after a while. Uh, but you just watch these sheep and just watch them graze, and you protect them from any danger or something that might, a prey or 
a predator that might want to sneak up on them, a lion or, or a bear or something, and you had your staff, your sling, and your store, sword, and, and you would go and attack whatever it was about to hurt them. But then at night, the picture gets even better and more intense because the shepherd would lead them off the mountain down into an area where there was a sheep pen or a fold, and he would stand at the gate, and as they walked in, with every sheep, he would examine them and check out their, their, their hoofs or any cut they might have, and then they would go in and they would lay down. And when they were all inside, when every sheep was there, suddenly the shepherd would set down in the gate and he would become the gate. And there was no other way to get in or out of the sheepfold but through the gate. And the shepherd would sit there and anything that ha- would try to get in had to go through him. And any sheep that might try to get out had to go over him. And he would protect them in that way. Jesus used that analogy. It's, it's really pretty vivid if you think about it. And he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. What an incredible picture as Jesus shared about loving and protecting and sacrificing for the sheep. And that's a picture, obviously, of his death for us. But what Jesus is saying is, Father, I've done everything that I can do to protect them and now I'm bringing them to you, Father, and I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. And so as I thought of this, how, I was thinking, how do, we, how do we bring people to God? How do we do that transfer like Jesus was doing? Obviously, we want to be in their lives, but we're kind of limited how we can protect them because we don't live with them. We can't put them in a bubble. Uh, we, we're, not, we're not with them every day, especially when they grow up or when they have their own lives. How do we do that? Let me give you a couple of ways I think they're important. Is the first thing, and I believe the most important thing, is that we have to bring them to salvation. We have to bring them to Jesus. We have to bring them. You know, I love the picture. We've had, you know, several parents baptize their own children. I love that. We encourage that all the time. There is no protection for any of us outside of Christ. The last words that Jesus gave to his disciples were, I want you to go and I want you to teach people and help them come into the kingdom of God because that's going to transform their lives. You know, the Bible says there are 33 things that happen whenever someone gives their life to Christ. We don't have time to mention all of them, but, but when we pass from darkness to life, from death to life, from enemy to God to a friend of God, our lives are transformed and God's protection comes around us as his children. Now you might say, well, doesn't God love everybody equally? God loves everybody, but God has a special love for his family. He does, he loves us. And the only way that we can be fully loved and protected by God uh, by God from the greatest danger of all, which is eternal hell and punishment, is to be safely inside the kingdom of God or the fold of God. And really, this is the first call on our lives to follow after Jesus, to walk in his steps, not only to be sold out for him, but also to find our protection and our safety in him because he knows the way. You know, we've talked several times about walking as Jesus walked, which is a great analogy there. But I want you to imagine for a moment that you were going to cross this minefield. You know, there are some countries that have had buried mines, and every now and then someone will hit one and get blown up. It's a horrible way to live life. But, but imagine you wanted to cross a minefield, and, and the way to do that would be to walk behind the person who knew where all the mines were. People who already figured it out, they've already walked the path, and you would, if you were, if I were you, or I would doing that, I would put my foot exactly where they put their foot. I wouldn't vary it. I wouldn't wander to the side or 
or try any other place, I would walk right after them. Not only to get to the destination, but maybe more importantly, to avoid danger. And what I'm saying is that Jesus is the only one who's ever crossed the path of life that we have to get to and death. He's the only one who's ever done that. And so he knows the only safe path to get us through this life, secure to the other side, to get us to heaven. And so I don't know about you, but I want to walk as Jesus did. I want to put my feet where he put his. I don't want to hit the landmines. And I want to lead my children and encourage them, walk with me, walk the way I'm doing it. That's why it's a big responsibility. But I also want to encourage other people who are new in their walk or younger in their walk to help them have the same path. But you know what? Disciple-making is twofold. It's not just helping them to come into the kingdom, but also we have to help them grow and mature. And I think that's where we oftentimes fail, both in parenting and in making disciples. Because it's the long haul that really makes a difference. It's not the short haul. The long haul is the hard work. That's pretty obvious in parenting, isn't it? Because almost anyone can father or, or mother a child. Anyone, you know, can bring a child into the world. But it takes long-term commitment to parent a child, to spend time with them, to invest in them, to bring them up uh, to, to adulthood, a lifetime of commitment. Protect them means to walk alongside of them and lead them and monitor their growth and speak into their lives when necessary. You know, today I, I see way too much of this, what I call hands-off parenting, which really isn't parenting at all, it's the idea that your child reaches a point <clears throat> where they know more than you do, and you let them make decisions, and you don't step into their life, you don't speak into their life, you let them try to figure it out on their own. I believe that when God gives you a child, it is a gift, but it's also a trust with expectations, that our job is to give them direction and confrontation at times, to be in their lives, to be involved. You know, I was reading, we had this picture in our mind of Jesus who always kind and gentle and sweet and never upset anyone. And I, I want to I challenge that a little bit because the way I read about Jesus, there were times he got in people's faces, especially his disciples when they were off the track. I mean, he would just call them out. Now, if we're supposed to do that as, as leaders, as parents, we got to be confronted sometime when our kids are off base. We have to teach them to respect us like we're supposed to respect God if they're going to follow after us. I'm getting off the subject a little bit, but I'm going to get fired up about parenting. I'm telling you, it's hard for all of us. We're, we're blessed with our kids, but we're obligated to see that child up to maturity and beyond. And you should never, ever lose your commitment to that. You should never, ever lose your influence or never give that influence up. It's easy to be tempted to, believe me. We just like to bow out, let this smart kid who knows more than us do it, right? But, but we have to retain that. When I discovered as our kids grew up, there were times that I had lesser influence, but when I had my kids involved, especially I want to say in the youth ministry, there were other adults in their life who not only encouraged them and directed them, but also reinforced my role in their lives as well. That meant a lot, and so I'm, I'm big on that as well. Well, you know what? That's what Jesus asked of us as parents and disciple makers, is that we do the hard work and we commit and we lay our lives down for other people. In fact, Jesus said that was the definition of the greatest love of all, to lay down our life for another. So Jesus did this for his disciples, and by the time that he prayed this prayer in John 17, he told his father that the work was finished, that he was ready to go back to the father and, and leave the mission in their hands. 
Why? Because they were perfect? No. I mean, think a moment. They blew it a lot. Shortly after this, one of them was going to betray him. Another was going to deny him. The rest of them were going to run off. So they were far from perfect, but, but he had laid the foundation, and later on he was going to send his spirit, and they would be empowered, and they would turn the world upside down. Jesus called the 12. All of them remained faithful except one. And I don't know if you caught this or not. He said the only one that failed was the one who was doomed to destruction to fulfill Scripture, and that was Judas who betrayed his Lord and then took his life. Now, Jesus protected them, but maybe you remember something I told you a while back is that all of these disciples were persecuted and all of them were killed, all but one were killed for their faith. So you might argue, well, wait a minute, Jesus didn't do such a great job protecting them later on, right? But just remember that just as our kids are susceptible, we do our best, but they go out and live life, susceptible to the bumps and the bruises of life because it's all around us, our human bodies are going to suffer and struggle. And being a Christian does not exempt us from the hazards and the pains and the hurts of life. But if you think about it, during his time with his disciples, Jesus sheltered and protected them very well from the brunt of the confrontation and criticism of their enemies. He had got them through several storms, it seems, safely. I know he helped out and protected them from sickness of family members. He protected them from at least one demon-possessed man who wanted to kill everybody. He protected them from the personal attacks of, of their enemies that, that might come against them. When they came to arrest him in the garden, Jesus stepped out in front of his disciples because he didn't, really didn't want them to be arrested, and none of them were. When Peter pulled out a sword and cut off a guy's ear, Jesus quickly reached down, grabbed the ear, put it back on, and said, oh, just, he's got anger issues. You know, let, let Peter go, you know? But I mean, I just thought about this. I thought about how Jesus always took the front and protected his disciples as he prepared them. But you know what? He was always realistic with them as well. He told them, you're going to face opposition. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, he says this, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. <coughs> Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Guys, Christians are not immune from accidents, from sickness, war, persecution. We're the same as anybody and everybody else, even more so. Sometimes because of our faith, Christianity is the number one persecuted religion in the world today. Minor for us, major in other countries, even to death. And Jesus went on to say, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's the one that we have to fear. And remember, Jesus said, I want to protect them from the evil one. The real protection that we need is against Satan because his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. But only Jesus Christ can give us the protection that we need from that enemy. John chapter 10, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. Now that promise is given to us as well today, guy, for this level of protection and assurance. We have to remember two things. Very simply, number one, we have to give ourselves totally to Christ. That is the will of God for everyone, that none would perish, that all would be saved. We have to put ourselves totally in his hands, and then we have to continue to stay in his hands because we, we can take ourselves out and go our own way. But he says, no, you have to stay, continue, because when we leave him, and off on our own, we lose our shelter and the safety of Christ, and we're not protected. So as I was thinking of this, and I thought, what's the call to action? What do I need to do? 
personally in response today. And here it is. I want to challenge you to guard your heart. Guard your heart. You cannot do this alone. You need God's help to do this. But the Bible says in in Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Your heart has to be right. Your heart has to be right with God. Guard your heart first because you can't guard the hearts of your children. You can't guard the hearts of your grandkids or the people that are in your life that you're trying to, to lead until you guard your own heart. We've all heard the stories of ministers who have failed because they didn't guard their own heart. They failed, and the people below them fell as well. Guard your thoughts, guard your words, your actions. Me, who's trying to destroy you, be on guard for yourself and be on guard for others. And I want to wrap up by reading this incredible scripture. We have no time to talk about it, but Ephesians 6 talks about what that's like and how to prepare yourself. Finally, be strong in the Lord his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit with all occasions on all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. Man. Guys, we need to understand the battle. And we need to be under the shelter and within the fold of God's love. And if not, we're in incredible danger. And if I were you this morning and I knew I did not have that, I wouldn't leave the shelter of this building. We call this, we don't use the word law, but sometimes we used to call the sanctuary. We come in here and we feel safe, but I wouldn't leave the presence of the Lord's people until I knew that I was under his protection. That would be my challenge to you this morning. Have you put yourself in his hands? And if so, are you seriously remaining there? Because he is the only true protection. I'm going to wrap up by just saying, if you want to talk about your relationship with Christ and how to have his protection, I'd love to do that. But I want to pray for you because I feel like in some ways that God's kind of given you to me for at least 30 minutes to talk. And I want to pray that God would bless and protect each of you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come today and we know you are an awesome Lord. That God, we are never safe unless we're under under your hand. And God, I want to thank you for everyone in this room because God, you have enabled them for whatever reason to be here today to hear your word, your truth. God, you've given them knowledge. And Father, with that knowledge comes an awareness as well as a responsibility. And my prayer is that none of us would wander outside of your fold and your protection. God, that we would be safely in Christ to make that decision to follow Christ, give him our lives. And Lord, we would not leave that to wander on our own. And we would pray for your protection of Uh, of your Holy Spirit, your presence in our life, God, that would keep us away from the evil one who would desire to destroy us. Keep him at bay for our children, 
for our, the people that we disciple in our, in our own lives as well. And God, may you use us for your glory and your honor. I pray all these things.